Hello and welcome to Unbossed. I am your host, Nina Turner. And today is Monday. So you know what that means? That is Jackson White Day. Action Jackson is in the house. Jackson, how are you today? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fantastic. It's been a really busy Monday thus far, and um, I've gotten a lot done. I'm feeling good about the year ahead of us, and it's always good to be here with you. So let's go ahead and get to it. Well, it's very good to have you here. And anything happening on the HQ, Rebel HQ, that is, that we need to know about? Uh, nothing in particularly special. You know, just the same old, same old. We're keeping people updated with what's going on. And, um, you know, Ron DeSantis recently, well, the House in Florida passed that bill so he could run. So if he does end up entering the race, then, well, he's been getting hit. Just go ahead and check out Rebel HQ before I just ramble on too much. Y'all gotta go over there and check it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely right. Check, check out Jackson White on Rebel HQ. Good God Almighty, help us America. And we're gonna continue <laughs> to bring you the information you need between Jackson over on Rebel HQ and us here at Unboss and other shows on the TYT network. We're gonna keep you in the light when it comes to what the sanctimonious is doing in the great state of Florida. Well, today is May Day. You guys know, many people know it's May Day, May 1st, which is technically technically called Workers Day. It is the day that commemorates the struggles and also the gains of workers all, not just in this country, but all around the world. This is really about the labor movement and what has come to be and what work is still left to do. So a little history lesson on this, let's go back in time just a little bit. In 1889, an international federation of socialist groups and trade unions designated May 1st as a day in support of workers in commemoration of the Haymarket riot in Chicago in 1886. And on this day where we honor the labor movement, Guess what? We do have still so much more work to do. Check out this headline per The Guardian. Dumb and dangerous USC's surge in effort to weaken child labor regulations. You are, this is real time. This is 21st century 2023, and it seems like we are going backwards. And here are some details on the efforts that are happening all across the country in states across this country to roll back the hands of time. This March, a bill was reintroduced in the US House and Senate that would allow 16 and 17 year olds to work in certain mechanicalized operations in the logging industry under parental supervision. Timber industry groups have strongly backed the legislation. I wonder why, thank you for this reporting coming from Michael at The Guardian. Now the logging bill is just one of several efforts across the US to roll back child labor protections. When it comes to logging, for Wendy Boswick, the news was a nightmare. Boswick's son Cole, who had just turned 18, died in a logging accident in 2014 on a job site in Washington where his father, Tim Boswick, was also working. Now logging is one of the most dangerous jobs in the United States of America. Why on God's green earth with blue water? 
why we ever would want to have a child working in this industry. But let's put this up, the most dangerous job in the US. Fatal injury rate, 70 per 100,000 workers. <clears throat> Total deaths, 2019 was 46. Salary, a little over $42,000. Most common fatal accidents, contact with objects and equipment. Logging workers had a fatal accident rate that was 21 times the average job nationwide. Now the 2023 death on the job report showed the following 350 workers in the US under the age of 25 died on the job in 2021, including 24 workers younger than 18 years old. Again, why on God's green earth with blue water and blue skies would we ever want children, younger people to do a job like this? Now we've seen a lot of child labor rollbacks just this year. Now survey shows an already alarming surge in labor violations. The number of children employed in violation of child labor laws has increased by 37% in the last year and by 283% since 2015. From over 1000 reported cases of children working in violation of child labor laws to almost 4000 in 2022. So far, 10 states have proposed or passed legislation to roll back child labor protections in the past two years, eight being just this year. We're gonna put up the states where this is happening. Arkansas, Iowa, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, New Hampshire, New Jersey, my home state of Ohio, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, South Dakota and Wisconsin. And you remember this moment right here? Put this up, Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders signs a measure loosening child labor protections in this state. The faces of children say it all, they know. I mean, this looks like Jackson, let's bring Jackson in. I mean, this looks like a daggone hostage taking. Right, they're like, get, get in front of the camera. Yeah. <laughs> smile, they still don't smile. Yeah, definitely look like they was forced up there like, yay, I don't really understand what's going on, but yay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So your your thoughts on this surge and, and what is happening in the country right now? Well, of course, my good old home state of Missouri was on there as well. So we both have to take similar L's in this matter. But um, you know, the reality is, is that these types of measures to make it legal for people who are too young to work jobs they shouldn't be working is simply a reaction basically to fill in the gap due to low interest in the position for people who are more qualified for it. Because all you have to do to fill in, you know, like, oh, there's a labor shortage, just pay people a little bit more, just give people a little bit more benefits, make the position more attractive for people who are more suitable for the position. Um, some of the arguments uh, were that, you know, well, if a kid, if somebody 16, 17 wants to be out there working, then they should have the right to do so. And what better way than to train them up with their parents? But the reality is, if they want to get some type of apprenticeship or practice with that, they can do that on their own leisure time. They can learn about carpentry or, or lumber, whatever it is, they can do that um, in an extracurricular fashion. But this is just the result of corporate America not really wanting to pay people, not really wanting to support people in finding ways to remain cheap without paying a price. That's all this is.
And these babies, these children are definitely going to pay the price for the loosening of child labor laws. And I, for one, want to see the feds jump in here on these states. It is time for the federal government to jump in. More importantly, Jackson, it's time for the American people to jump in on this. This is disastrous in the type of elected officials. This is happening primarily in states that are controlled by the GOP. And it's villains like Governor Sarah Huckabee that show that a civilization that does not protect its children is really no civilization at all. I mean, how can we continue to call ourselves civilized? And it's also businesses that are to blame too, because as you just mentioned in your comments, the businesses, they want cheap labor. And it is really a damn shame, a sin and a shame that now children are being placed back in these kinds of situations because there was a time in our nation's history where this was okay, it was acceptable for children to work in coal mines. Don't get me started on chattel slavery, the original. You know, where black children were not treated as children, they weren't even treated as human beings because their parents weren't treated as human beings. And that happened in this country too. And we going backwards. So the primary, so let's let's turn to these businesses though. The primary proponents of these laws are business groups and their state affiliates, particularly the National Federation of Independent Business, the Chamber of Commerce, and the National Restaurant Association, Hotel, Lodging, and Tourism Associations, Grocery Industry Associations, Home Builders, and Americans for Prosperity, a billionaire funded right wing dark money group have also supported bills in various states. America, we got a problem. This is a problem and we should not accept it. It really is a sin and a shame. And so we're gonna go into further coverage today on the TYT Network. We're gonna have a May Day special, special coverage happening this evening. You don't want to miss it. We have Francesca, we have yours truly, we have John and Anna. Tune in tonight starting at eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And the GOP certainly is the main proponent of the rollbacks. It doesn't matter at this hmm. I mean, they just trying to they 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 just trying to teach people how to work hard. You know what I'm saying? They just trying to make sure that the cream continues to rise to the top. You know, we got to teach them early. We got to get them started younger. Because back in the good old days, you know, minus all the stuff that sucked, there were a few things that were good. But you know, nah, that's all it is. They just being cheap. Yeah, um, this but is it, horrible. Yeah, but it, but but scarily too. All the all, all the states that you read off along with all um, the organizations that you read off. This is a real effort and it's not something that they gonna hit a 180 on. So um, it's definitely good that y'all gonna be talking about this more tonight and we gotta keep on talking about it. Yeah, we do Jackson. And again, the feds need to step in, but America more than having the feds step in, we need to step in as the American people. I mean, my grandmother used to say common sense ain't common. I mean, this is common sense. But to quote grandma, common sense ain't common. This really is a damn sin and a shame. That any grown a person would think that this was okay to put our children in harm's way like this. We need to check ourselves to quote the rapper before we wreck ourselves. Oh, we going on here with more stuff. So tragedy unfolded over the weekend in Cleveland, Texas. Take a look at this. 
This black fence that you see behind me, this is the fence that houses off that suspected shooter's home. Officials say that a neighbor went over to the fence and asked him if he could stop shooting his AR-15 in the front yard because they were trying to keep a baby or put a baby uh, to sleep. And after that, the suspected shooter walked over to that home, walked in and began just firing at everyone inside. As you mentioned, five people dead, including an eight-year-old. The sheriff also described a scene where there were mothers laying on top of their children, trying to protect them. He says that there were three juveniles who were covered in blood who were taken to the hospital. And we now know that those three juveniles were not injured, but certainly a very traumatic scene. America, really? Really? You walk over to your neighbor's house and you say, hey, can you keep the, keep the shooting down? What in the hell? Neighbor, can you keep the shooting down? And instead, the neighbor walks over there and shoots to kill the family. In Cleveland, Texas, welcome to America. So now you can't turn around in nobody's driveway. You can't deliver groceries, Instacart. You can't knock on somebody's door to pick up your siblings. See, this is what this kind of gun worshiping gets you. People have lost their ever loving minds and the worship of the second amendment. What the hell you need an AR-15 for? So this dude gets mad and he goes over to the neighbor's house. He just commits to killing people. And as the reporter laid out, mama's laying on top of their kids trying to protect them. America, 21st century America. You know what, Jackson, I'm, I'm so over it. So here is some more reporting. Before you jump in here, I want you to jump on in here. Y'all keep Jackson up. Let's go ahead and put this graphic up. So here's some more reporting on the lives lost, all of whom were very young. Damn, it don't matter what age they are. I don't know why we have, they were young. Okay, we want to get the picture. I'm gonna give you the whole picture. But damn it, if they was 99 years old, 99.9 years old, they had a right to live out their lives for as long as God was gonna give them. Where is the righteous indignation on this? And then it's especially if you younger, you don't even get a chance to grow old. But here it is, Cleveland, Texas, shooting victims. Juicia, Sonia, Dana, Jose, and Daniel. Killed dead, cause they asked this mofo to stop shooting his AR-15. Now Daniel was eight years old, he's the youngest person killed in this heartbreaking tragedy. Now, police are on the lookout for Francisco, the alleged suspect in the shooting. In times like these, communities will look for support and comfort. And that support usually comes from the faith-based community. It usually comes from elected officials, especially the governor of the state. But look at what this mofo Greg Abbott tweeted out. Believe this, and Jackson, after I read this, you just jump on in here. I've announced a 50K reward for info on the criminal who killed five illegal immigrants Friday. Now let's just go on and rest right there. First of all, this dude didn't even have to mention the status, they're human beings, period. But this is what this mofo does, right? No heart, Texas, what is wrong with y'all? 
Cause this y'all governor, y'all promoted this man in. So I've announced a 5K reward for info on criminal, on the criminal who killed five illegal immigrants Friday. Also directed hashtag Operation Lone Star to be on the lookout. I continue working with state and local officials to ensure all available resources are deployed to respond. Jackson, I mean, what do you do with this? There is something wrong with these GOP governors, Greg Abbott, DeSantis, AKA DeSanctimonious. These fools are crazy and we gotta start calling them what they are. They are a threat to this country. Your thoughts, Jackson? Ron DeSanctimonious, meatball, pudding, flounder boy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All of that. But, um, you know, uh, what what um, Greg Abbott said was really uh, obviously a way to gin up the base, but also to to kind of cover up and hide the issue of gun violence. Um, to point it more towards oh illegal immigration in the country, it's violent, but to cover up um, that fact. But one of the things um, that really hurt Republicans in 2022, why there really why there was no red wave, had very little to do uh, with Donald Trump actually, a lot more to do with the reversal of Roe v. Wade. And the reason I bring that up is because abortion and now gun rights, gun reform have become the Republican Party's uh, two biggest issues that really will not allow independents and swing voters to side with them. As we see state after state try as hard as they can to push six week abortion bans. And then here, you know, um, Greg Abbott making the type of comment uh, that really covers up the issue when, when you poll the American people, Pretty much everybody's on board with things like raising the minimum age to 21, um, making uh, more strict background checks, putting in like a waiting day period. Really the only people that you hear making the most noise about that type of stuff are right wing political commentators and then politicians themselves obviously who get their pockets greased from organizations like the NRA. Um, but unfortunately, um, even though obviously we know the majority of Americans are in favor of common sense gun regulation, uh, the inaction mainly from the Republican Party allows for the rabid psychotic few to massacre innocent people. And so you got guys like this or any other example of people just running up in schools, running up in churches, cuz ain't nothing happening and it's a part of our culture. Culture is just societal behavior at large. And yeah, a part yeah. of American culture is running up in places and shooting stuff, which is why it's happening more and more. More and more. I mean, Jackson, what did you, call it? you call it the rabbit. What did you call it? The, the rabbit psychotic few. There it is, the rabbit psychotic few. And this governor is a part of it, so it's cruel. It dehumanizes the victims, as you said. It gets a base ginned up on something that they shouldn't be ginned up in any other way, but in a way that says what happened to these people is wrong and catch the culprit. Now that's the kind of gin up I want to see. Now he offered thoughts and prayers after. But decided it was most important to tweet about the status of the victims. More than trying to figure out who did this and to get this person. His xenophobia was quickly fact checked. Let's put this up. I just spoke to the husband of one of the victims. He confirmed to me that his wife was a permanent resident of the US. He even sent me a picture of her ID confirming this. But I guess to Greg Abbott, anyone who is from another country is an illegal immigrant. Shameful. But you know, again, what damn difference does it make? But now you got to pull out your papers. But it shouldn't matter their status. They were just murdered. 
Jesus. And I bet you this man subscribes to Christianity. I'm just pointing out that. I just every chance I get, I'm gonna point it out. Because what would Jesus do? Not this, not this foolishness and mayhem. Then Joyce, uh, Joe Scarborough, bro, went and added for having the audacity to tweet such a statement. Take a look. I can't ever remember a um, any leader in the United States uh, trying to somehow mitigate the pain of of. An eight-year-old, nine-year-old being shot in the head and other people being shot by identifying their, their status. The feeling the need to say, oh, well, these were, these were illegal immigrants that got shot and killed. There's such a, a callousness to it, just like sending uh, Im- illegal immigrants up to Washington, D.C. on Christmas Eve and putting them outside of the Naval Observatory as they, they, they freeze outside uh, it, it, when they get off the bus. There it is, Jackson. It was good to hear Joe say this. Now, Joe Scarborough used to be in Congress. He was a Republican. He, a few years ago, became an independent. But I'm really glad to hear him say what he had to say about how disgusting it is what Greg Abbott did. Governor mm-hmm. Greg and, Abbott. And, um, you know, because I think that it's just really uh, painfully obvious that. Um, the Republican establishment is not concerned at all uh, with uh, the will of the people. Not to give too much credit to the Democratic establishment. However, Democrats don't do things like reverse Roe v. Wade and do absolutely nothing whatsoever, no matter what, about gun violence. There is a difference uh, between the two, especially in those regards. And the reason that's important is because if Republicans don't do a 180 rather immediately, their only option moving forward is to dive deeper into authoritarianism. Um, but they're highly unlikely to do a 180 very quickly. One, because institutions, process, and human beings don't really change that quickly. It just doesn't happen that way. And also because they're alienating themselves further and further um, to a base of people who really want to see things like Greg Abbott, what he tweeted. They want to see people get bused to different cities. So they're just shrinking their future. And again, the only way they're gonna be able to hold on to power is if they continue to destroy the democratic process. That's it, and that's exactly what they're doing and they're reveling in it. And at some point, the American people writ large, complicit in this foolishness. And you know, Greg Abbott has his total inaction on gun violence. It, it, it speaks volumes, mm-hmm. but but all this is no surprise coming from this governor in the state of Texas. Let us never forget, and I mean never, ever, 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 ever forget his response to the Uvalde massacre, which led to the death of 21 people, 19 of them, underline, underscore, exclamation point, 19 of the 21 were children. This headline right here, Texas Governor Greg Abbott says the Uvalde school massacre could have been worse. Now beyond the xenophobia, Abbott has constantly caved to the gun lobby and done nothing about this kind of violence. He has only helped it grow. It's like putting gasoline on a fire, Texas. This your governor. Come get them. This headline from last year, 
confronted with mass shootings, Texas Republicans have repeatedly loosened gun laws. This is the answer. Governor Greg Abbott and other Republican leaders signaled an openness to some gun restrictions after recent mass shootings. But in the last several years, lawmakers have eased gun laws, most notably by passing a permitless carry bill last year. Texas, what are y'all doing to us? This dude, and I hope people mounting up to run against this dude like right now, like right this very minute. This is untenable and it is a shame. It is a sin and a shame. Or his tweet in 2015, cuz baby, we bringing the receipts right here on Boss early in his gubernatorial career. I'm embarrassed. Texas number two in the nation for new gun purchases behind California. Let's pick up the pace, Texas. And then he at the damn NRA. Ain't this something? There's something seriously wrong with Greg Abbott. And it's downright scary. I mean, all of this stuff. Jackson, uh, your final comments as we go into the break. Yeah, I mean, you know, like loosening, loosening gun laws. Um, after gun violence is just giving more that's alcohol what, that's to an alcoholic. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's literally like the complete antithesis of what anybody with half a working functioning brain would think to do. You know, you don't give somebody who can't take the gin out their hand more gin. You know what I'm saying? Like this, just yeah. kind of what it is. But also, it, it, it's just this is why I said abortion and gun reform are the Republican Party's two biggest political policy problems. Those two right there, because those are the issues that, you know, kind of the normies who aren't really wrapped up in politics, who really honestly don't even really care about Donald Trump, those types of people. Those are the issues that they can't ignore. You know, like the, all the highly politicized stuff that we might be familiar with that people ain't paying attention to. You can't ignore the fact that people running up in these schools, shooting everything up. And you also can't ignore the fact um, that, you know, oh, I'm six weeks pregnant, but I can't do anything about it. So uh, that's gonna really just continue to be the nail in the coffin for them. Yeah, I mean, it is it is absurd. It is immoral as hell. Texas, uh, we want you to, y'all say y'all do everything bigger in Texas. This ain't the way, Texas. Please, for the love of God, somebody with some common sense, some decency, and some humanity. Y'all need to run against Greg Abbott. And since Texas is still very much a Republican state or some people I know in Texas say a non-voting state. We got to get more people to vote. But Jesus, Mary and Joseph, if in fact it is going to continue to be a Republican state, can y'all get some better Republicans running some that actually care about kids and care about the livelihoods of people who live in that state? Texas, can you do that so that things can be bigger and better and not big and bad? Because that's what's happening in Texas. Y'all need to marinate on this. Jackson and I'll be right back. And welcome back to the show. I hope y'all thinking about all that you've heard so far in the show. We really gotta do something. And as I mentioned earlier at the top of the show, May Day special tonight, join Anna, John, myself. I don't know, I kinda wanna talk about myself in the third person like athletes do. <laughs> but I ain't gonna do it right now. And Francesca for our live May Day special. I mean, that means you arrived when you talk about yourself in the third person. So I'm told. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. You gotta 
But you know what I'm saying? Like you said, you got you to keep a little humility sprinkled in on there. You know? A little, little yeah. bit, little bit, a little bit. Third, third person. Okay, yeah. so we'll be celebrating the labor gains of the past and looking at current struggles for workers' rights around the globe. So tune in and together let's discuss how far we can go, how far we've come, how far left to go. So watch on tyt.com slash live. You can YouTube us, Facebook, Twitch. On today, Monday, May the 1st, May Day, starting at 8 p.m. ET and 5 p.m. PT. Now, membership, every membership makes a momentum, a momentous impact and helps us to deliver bold, progressive live commentary. Thank you for our members who are already supporting us. And if you are not a member and you're tuning in to Unboss right now, baby, become one. Go ahead and help give us money for the mission because we need money for the mission. And you can watch the damage report indisputable unbossed with that Nina Turner, the watch list, the Young Turks and a bonus episode. So do that. And then the progress report, the big stories that the corporate media are blotching, not telling you about. Get the progress report, put your phone up. Smartphone, Q code, do it baby. Progressive news and inspiration every week. Day morning, do that. And also, lastly, you can catch on Boss. You can watch us live. You can get us video on demand, and you also can do listen to us on the podcast wherever you get your podcast. All right, on to my absolute favorite part of the show: viewer comments. We are going to start with the TYT members elected. Happy International Workers Day. So glad I can watch Nina Turner, who has always been a champion for workers' rights. Twice today. Both for Unbossed and the May Day special tonight. Thank you, Nina, for all you do. And thank you, Electric, for your kind words. And yes, I have been on many a picket line. Yes, I have. And I will continue getting out there for workers. I don't have to be actively elected right now to know that we share a common struggle. And if you don't have a sugar daddy, a sugar mama, a sugar somebody, you are in the working class, so worker solidarity, baby, all the way. Jackson is smiling, y'all can't see him. And on <laughs> Twitch, because <laughs> you know what's up, you know what's up out here. <laughs> what's up, workers unite, baby. On Squiddles, would be a whole lot cooler if May Day was a month long. I'm with you, Squiddles. Yeah. Let's go on and do that. We can do that. And Nero, Christianity has been romanticized for millennia. So I guess it shouldn't be too surprising that many Americans see America as a giant coliseum. Everyone they don't know personally is fodder for their entertainment. That is such a good point. Nero, such a very good point. And on YouTube Super Chat, Martinez Mac. Hey, Martinez, Matt, we see you at the steering wheel, Nina. Let's get them unbossed. Thank you, Martinez, Mac. I really do appreciate that. I am just one of the many people in the wilderness trying to do what I can. If somebody say, do what you can, where you are, what you have. And I'm trying to do that every single day. Oh, this story right here makes me sigh. Y'all know I try not to, but this is a... Oh, Lord, have mercy. Okay, I'm back. So nurses are feeling the ongoing effects of the pandemic, which still is having a major impact to this day. And they're looking elsewhere to escape the stress and who can blame them. But their escape is going to be America's pain. Check out this headline right here. One third of US nurses plan to quit profession. And this is coming from a report. The survey of over 18,000 nurses conducted by AMN Health Services Inc. 
in January <clears throat> showed on Monday that 30% of the participants are looking to quit their careers up seven percentage points over 2021 when the pandemic triggered wave of resignations began. The survey also showed that 36% of the nurses plan to continue working in the sector, but may change workplaces. All right, so the nurses are fed up and they burnt out. And many of the nurses cited fatigue, and we all can understand that, from the COVID-19 pandemic, which understandably has left them overwhelmed. AMN Health Care CEO Greg Greg or Gary, excuse me, Gary Grace said the following. This really underscores the continued mental health and well-being challenges the nursing workforce experiences post-pandemic. And the exodus affects every medical profession. We already in this country, just in case you didn't know, newsflash. We already have a nursing shortage. The national nursing shortage dates back decades. But the COVID-19 pandemic pushed it to crisis levels. One study predicts that in the next two years, there will be a shortage of up to 450,000 bedside nurses in the United States of America. And it's not just mental stress, it's literally death Two, the, this headline from when the US hit 1 million COVID deaths in May of last year really states it all. This right here, the US reaches 1 million COVID-19 deaths, thousands are healthcare workers. So Jackson, let's have a, a, a conversation about this. You know, when nurses get fed up and they're ready to go, many, most who go into the nursing profession see it as a ministry. I say many, I know there could be some outliers, but many of them see this as a ministry. And when nurses are sounding the alarm about their mental health, their physical health, you know, not certainly not being paid enough, not being appreciated enough, we gotta step up and pay attention because this is gonna have a ripple effect for each and every one of us. This shortage is going to hit us and 450,000 is the prediction. America, we got a problem. Yeah, and I mean, that's a really staggering portion of the job market in that sector. And the reality is that nurses really do the grunt work and the dirty work of the hospital. They're the ones really who keep it running. For the most part, the attending doctors, you know, they're specialists and they come in to do the highly skilled work in terms of knowing how to slice people open and knowing exactly how much anesthesia to put into people. Other than that, nurses basically are the ones running the hospitals and making sure everybody's okay. So a huge shortage uh, obviously is a huge problem, uh, rather equivalent to a teacher shortage. But it all boils back to the same types of things because as you pointed out, many view this profession as a ministry, the same goes for education. It's not necessarily something that you plan or expect to make a, a fortune from. It's not necessarily something the, that you get into other than for helping people. Uh, there may be other reasons, but primarily that's it. Um, so it's just that they're not taken care of well enough. Uh, no, they're so not. Yeah, they that's not all trying. it is. It's that simple. You know, and they so. ought to be able to make a good living. I mean, you should be able to make a good living. And the healthcare system, America's form of healthcare, because I often call it sick care, but America's form of healthcare can't survive without the nurses. It just cannot. It yeah. just cannot. Like, this is not even up for debate, Jackson. It cannot function. Yeah. It can't work. 
Yeah. Without. Again, I mean, it's like it's 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 like a restaurant with no with no servers. That's right. Uh, or a restaurant with something that's drastically missing, you know, so the 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 business itself just won't be able to run. But again, <laughs> these really point to the the simple solutions. Most of the problems that America has really aren't complicated to understand, and the solutions really aren't that complicated either. We just need to move in that direction and keep on trying and trying and trying some more. And move very, very quickly. And by the way, you know, COVID is not over, not over by a long shot. And just what is happening in the nursing profession is just yet another example of the continuous ripple effect that COVID-19 will continue to have on this country and the world. It ain't one and done. This is like dominoes, like lining up the dominoes and you tip over one and all fall down. This is what COVID-19 is like. And so the stresses, the death and the presence, the persistent presence of the pandemic are still greatly felt. Yet on May the 11th, a few days from now, emergency declarations for the pandemic are set to expire. Thanks to Congress and to the Biden administration, despite the fact that we have a new variant on the rise right now. The CDC data, Omicron subvariant is out alive and well. There it is and is responsible for 12% of new COVID-19 cases. It's the second most prominent coronavirus strain circulating in the United States. And this headline from the American Heart Association, long COVID in children still poses plenty of questions. And if we track the weekly data by the CDC, which is not being talked about in mainstream media much, overall rates may be going down, but it still affects thousands of people a week. And this graph right here shows us how it does that. So every week the hospitalizations. So you got your cases, you have your deaths, and then you have hospitalizations. We need to look at this disease through this lens and probably a few others. That right there, I mean, it's problematic, Jackson, that the emergency, I mean, that's what's really getting to me the most, that the emergency declaration is going to expire on May the 11th. And another thing, you know, is that COVID really exposed the biggest weaknesses within this industry. It exposed how hospitals really aren't prepared for stuff like this. And more importantly, they're not really willing to give what's necessary in order to have the type of staff backing to take care of stuff like this. You know, they're more worried about their shares. They're more worried about keeping up with the insurance system. Uh, which greatly impacts how they charge and and what they charge and and whatnot. So, um, you know, this is just again the problems that America has are very fundamental, uh, very foundational. Which is both an extreme; it's very bad, but also good in a sense that we know what we need to do. You know, like there's really we don't we don't need a whole bunch of like the most brilliant geniuses to come together to figure out that we need to pay people some more and give them some more benefits. This really isn't complicated. And so, to have universal health care. I mean, there's no doubt yeah, yeah. about that that need and more protections for people in the industry. And we're talking about the nurses. We know that there are others in the healthcare ecosystem. The nurses are certainly the firewall, the foundation, call them what you will. The system itself cannot function. And if nurses are enduring this Jackson, 
I'm sure it's impacting a whole lot of other people in that ecosystem as well. And the nurses, again, as I mentioned, they are the backbone of the healthcare system. And they have been advocating for Medicare for all, the strongest, the hardest. They are on the inside and they know what needs to be done. So nurses have long been the I mean, there's spice to this system, and they work long days to ensure the well-being of others. Notice in our earlier conversations about this, it was talking about bedside nurses. That is especially where the shortage is going to be. That's where that is going to show up, and they are underpaid and they are overworked. They've even advanced proposals in making positive changes, even though they are overworked and underpaid in healthcare because they do care overall for the status of humanity and what is happening and not happening in the American style of healthcare. And so for example, the National Nurses United, let's put this up. I mean, there they are, they've been on the front lines. I've been on the front lines with them for over the years, for many, many years, and I'm glad to see that they are still out there. Commit to take action on Medicare for all bill. Uh, introductions, ask your member of Congress to become original co-sponsors of Medicare for All. So they're fighting both globally in terms of the United States as a whole, and they're also fighting uh, in, in individual states, and California being one of the major states. Now, astronomical healthcare costs and lack of Access continue to drive individuals, families, and businesses past their breaking point. While insurance companies continue to soak up billions of healthcare dollars, Medicare has provided guaranteed healthcare for millions of seniors for more than 51 years. It's time we have a Medicare for all single payer healthcare system that would end health disparities, effectively control costs, and assure that. Everyone has equal access to an excellent standard of care. This comment is coming from the National Nurses United. Let me just go ahead and say amen, underscore, and bold it. And thank the nurses for what they are doing. And so as nurses and everyday people continue to advocate for a better system, it is politicians who continually absolutely not only do nothing but exacerbate the system or the situation I should say because they're answering to their owner donors. All they do is smile about healthcare, they make fluffy statements so that they can get reelected. They don't wanna offend the owner donor class. They make promises made, so many promises unkept. Politicians like Representative Pelosi, you remember this? Not a big fan of Medicare for all, I mean, I. I Welcome the debate. I think that we should have health care for all. I think that the Affordable Care benefit is better than the Medicare benefit, but it is expensive. Who pays is very important. What are the benefits? Well, she talking out of both sides of her mouth because we all are paying right now. We're paying for a product, a service that is not optimal. We pay more for health care. In this country, and we have worse health outcomes than any other industrialized nation. So, uh, Representative, the benefit would be in eliminating a commodified healthcare system that steals billions from people and leaves nurses 
overworked. The benefit would be that nobody would be underinsured and uninsured. The benefit would be that as a hegemonic nation, everybody in this country should have healthcare. That's what the benefit would be. And it would help to promote peace of mind for those communities currently. Those people who are currently underinsured and uninsured. This graph right here, team, let's put it up. More than two of five working age adults are inadequately insured. Don't have proper healthcare insurance. How can they, how can we do any other thing personally or professionally if we don't have healthcare and if we cannot guarantee in some way that we can deal with Routine things that come up just by being human. Jackson, your thoughts? Well, and, and and not even just in terms of how how expensive it is and and how much the costs continue to rise, but just kind of like in a way like the gamification of the market to where like every year it's kind of like oh boy, like I get to pick which which set I get and what I'm not going to get covered versus what will be covered. Um, and, and it'll be hundreds of dollars a month, which is a considerable payment for something, especially if you're not sick that you likely won't use. I mean, maybe, right. maybe you'll use it, but not enough to be paying two, three hundred plus dollars a month. You know, so for something that, oh, it's a new year, got to change it, got to go through the sign up process once again, unless you have a good corporate job that provides it for you. I but mean, more Jeff, and more, it's, it's, it's onerous. The paperwork yeah. is onerous for the individual, for businesses, small businesses. I mean, I was just talking to a business owner a few days ago that was saying that it's, it's they can't afford it. Businesses mm. want Medicare for all too. Yeah, this this absolutely makes no sense. The Democrats are complicit. The Republicans show enough are complicit, and we sick and tired of this foolishness in this country. America, you need to go ahead and rise up and stop playing games with these fools. All right, we're gonna keep talking about this because y'all know how I feel about Medicare for all. You know how I feel about Medicare for all. We need to have it. We got to keep fighting for it. Oh, we're gonna go ahead and talk about injustice because there's injustice in the healthcare system or the sick care system in America. We're gonna talk about another type of historic injustice here. Carolyn Bryant is dead. This headline right here, just in case you say, who in the hell is Carolyn Bryant? I'm about to tell you, woman whose accusation led to the lynching of Emmett Till has died at 88, coroner says. And here is Emmett Till, the young boy who did not get a chance to live out his life. He didn't get to live to the age of 88. Oh no, 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 he did not. Because of this woman right here, go ahead and put up her smug shot, Carolyn Bryan Dunham. This woman right here, she got to live to be 88 years old. Okay, we got her in her younger days, and then we got her at her older age. She just died. So Carolyn Bryant Dunham, the white woman whose accusation led to the 1955 lynching of black teen Emmett Till in Mississippi, in Money, Mississippi to be exactly, and whose role in the brutal death was reconsidered by a grand jury as recently as last year, has died in Louisiana. The coroner's office confirmed that to CNN. The 88 year old Bryant Dunham died on Tuesday, April the 25th, 2023, like just a few days ago. Now the backstory, in 1955, Emmett Till traveled to 
Money, Mississippi to visit his great uncle. It was during this visit that Teal was accused of whistling at Karen Bryant. That was her name at that time, a white woman. Four days later, Bryant's husband Roy and his half brother JW killed Emmett 14 and dumped his body in the Tallahatchie River. Less than a month after his body was recovered, an all white jury deliberated for under an hour before acquitting the two. All right, you need to feel some type of way about this, even still. Go ahead and put up the smug shots of Roy and his half brother, JW. That's them. Now, Emmett Till was beaten and shot to death. Here's more of what happened on that fatal day. 14 years old, accused of whistling at a white woman. Accused of it. Because this was the rules of the game in the United States of America. Let's just go ahead and put this up, team. I'm mad as a mofo right now. Later, her husband, Roy Bryant and JW Milam, took Emmett Till from his bed and ordered him into the back of a pickup truck and beat him before shooting him in the head. Now, I want you to know that keep it up. Don't, don't put up nothing, put Jackson up, you can put me up. Now, I'm gonna break this down for you. They went to Emmett Till's uncle's house, his uncle Moses. Who, what the hell? They went to the man's house and took Emmett Till out the house. Do y'all understand me? And this wasn't a century ago. Well, it was it? It happened in the 20th century. Let me just say that. But on the continuum of history, it wasn't that long ago. So later, her husband, Roy Bryan and JW, took Emmett Till from his bed and ordered him into the back of a pickup truck and beat him before shooting him in the head and tossing his body into the Tallahassee River. Like he was like he was trash. They were both acquitted of murder by an all-white jury following a trial in which Carolyn Bryant, this chick, testified that Emmett Till grabbed and verbally threatened her. Mylan, who died in 1980, and Bryant, who died in 1994, admitted to killing Emmett Till in a 1956 interview. Okay, fire extinguisher. I, I damn sure want to throw this one. They admitted to killing that boy, that little boy. That little boy, they admitted to killing him. Not a damn thing happened to them. And not a damn thing happened to the woman that lied on him. Jackson, go ahead and take it so I can recover. Take the camera off me, put it on Jackson. Go ahead, Jackson. Well, I mean, she just flat out got away with it. And I think, you know, one of the things you pointed out is this didn't happen a long time ago. I mean, this 1956, my father was born in 1951. And, you know, when you first learn about this in elementary school, typically is when kids first learn about it. You see it in the black and white and you feel like America has come such a long way. Um, but this woman got to live out the rest of her life protected and low key, you know. Um, yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah she, she just did, went Jackson. about it. Yeah, yeah, she did. And we ain't got a whole lot of time. Marissa just said we got three more minutes left in the show. Let me tell y'all something. You should be mad at a mofo too. These men admitted to murdering this little boy, this little boy, and they never faced justice. Put this up. In 2007, a Mississippi grand jury decided to indict Dunham, her new last name, Bryant Dunham, uh, decided uh, to or declined, excuse me, to indict her on any charges. Dunham testified in 1955 that Emmett grabbed her hand and waist and propositioned her bullshit. 
saying he had been with white women before. Bullshit. But years later, when Professor Timothy Tyson raised the that trial testimony in 2008 interview with Dunham, Brian Dunham, he claimed she told him that part not true. She knew she was lying and the truth wasn't in her. The interview was included in Tyson's book, which I encourage people to get the blood of Emmett Till. She knew good and damn well it wasn't true, but she didn't care. She didn't care. Now Malik Shabazz with Black Lawyers for Justice said the following in a statement, Carolyn Bryant's death brings a conclusion to a painful chapter for the Emmett Till family and for black people in America. The tragic part about Bryant's death was that she was never held accountable for her role in the death of young Emmett Till, who is the martyr for the civil rights movement. Now over the decades, people have been calling over and over again for some justice. The two white men who did it didn't have to, um, no justice was served. And then this woman gets to die at the age of 88 years old without any consequences or repercussions. Let's put up Mamie Till, Emmett Till's mother, who continued to be a freedom fighter all the way through this. She made sure, many of you may have seen a picture of Jet Magazine. She said, I want an open casket, I want people to see. What these mofos did to my baby. She didn't say mofos, that's me. Mamie Till, the mother of Emmett Till, should have the last word on this. She passed away on January the 6th in 2003. And this is what she said, put it up. I know we gotta go. This is what Mama Till had to say, Till Mobley. But I want y'all to know, open casket. She said, cause I want y'all, I want the world to see what these people did to my baby. Here it is. It is not that I dwell on the past, but the past shapes the way we are in the present and the way we will become what we are destined to become. It is only because I have finally understood the past, accepted it, embraced it, that I can fully live in the moment. And hardly a moment goes by when I don't think about Emmett and the lessons a son can teach a mother, Mamie Till Mobley. Emmett Till's mother. And if that don't make you mad, I don't know what will. Well, this has been our show for today. We will continue to revisit this because what she is talking about is still a reality in 21st century America. You know what I want you to do about this time. Jackson, thanks for being with us today. It's Jackson Monday. You know what I want you to do about this time. I want you to keep the faith and show enough, keep the fight. To quote my grandmama, oh, we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.